Hello, and welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, Shane LeMaster. I want to start off by saying thank you to everybody who continues to listen to the podcast and, of course, like and share our podcast. That's how the message spreads even further. Um, Obviously, you know, my reach is only so far, so thank you guys so much for helping me get these messages out. Uh, It shows me that you guys really, really care. Uh, or care to care to help, care about the material, whatever. But that's the best way to support the podcast. Um, if if you if anybody else out there wants to know how you can support the podcast, we also take donations. Um, I don't make any profit from this podcast. All the money goes back into getting a better message out to you guys. So, for instance, um, any donations that have come in so far are being put away for. Um, Hopefully, when I reach my goal of 40 podcasts, I will have enough in donations to upgrade our microphone systems and our switchboards and things like that, any kind of upgrades to the um, computer program um, so that we can actually get a a clearer message to you through some high-quality microphones. So if you want to donate, I believe there's a, a donation link on any one of the podcast venues that you might be listening to, uh, whether it's Stitcher, Anchor, um, you know, iTunes or, you know, whatever, uh, there should be a little link down there where you can donate. Otherwise, um, please continue to listen and like and share our stuff. Okay. So we're going into episode 22 of Conversations with the Mind. I want to, uh, as always, let you know that we're sponsored by my private practice counseling and consulting company, MindOps. If you're interested in finding out more about what we do, we've talked about uh, the the company quite a bit on the on the podcast before, but this is, you know, by no means a a podcast advertising just that. Um, but we might as well throw it out there in case people want to reach out and get some some further information on some of the topics that we're talking about, or if anybody wants to work on their own personal growth. Um, we're here to help. Um, that's kind of what we specialize in, in, in the field of psychology. Um, so we have specialties in sport and performance psychology, addiction counseling, um, as well as general psychotherapy and psychedelic integration work. So if any of you guys need some assistance with any of those areas, uh, please feel free to reach out at www.mind-ops.com. And, uh, yeah, let's connect. Let's get together. Okay, so um, I apologize to the listeners. Um, I, you know, must have spaced it in the last two podcasts, uh, but I've been missing out, uh, or I've been missing the the good news section of the podcast, and I I know that some of you guys really enjoy that because you've told me. So uh, for today's good news stories, I'm just going to share two with you uh, to sort of make up for the lost good news in the last podcast or two and uh, I'll keep them kind of short so we can get right into the podcast today so the first one obviously uh, as always uh, comes from the good news network Um, I find that website to be um, very uplifting and this one um, reads iguanas successfully reintroduced to to the Galapagos Island after they were last seen by Darwin 184 years ago Um, I had no idea that that there was an issue um, with iguanas on the Galapagos. I know that the Galapagos is sort of famous for 
um, those lizard those lizard species because of Darwin, and that's how I, I've read about it. But I had no idea that they were having an issue um, because of invasive predators that come in and and have just kind of wiped out. Um, the population of, of lizards and iguanas. So conservation measures were taken. Um, let's see, it looks like, uh, you know, hundreds of iguanas were reintroduced successfully. It says, uh, the presence of living land iguanas on the island were reported, um, weren't reported for the last time um, since 1835. So it's been a long time. That's pretty cool how, um, how we've been able to help the ecosystem um, kind of reemerge and, and reinvigorate. So the second good good news story for today reads: Virtual reality therapy could be the new treatment for your reoccurring nightmares. Now this one had special interest to me just because I am a psychotherapist and I, I do therapy as a profession. Um, but also I'm very interested in new technologies, and uh, I think that the combination of these new technologies with um, you know therapeutic methods that have already been established could be a whole new frontier in uh, psychotherapy. So I thought this article was really interesting. Turns out um, they were talking in this article specifically about a nightmare disorder, um, which is, you know, it's common for everybody to have nightmares every once in a while, but nightmare disorders really are um, a lot more intense where people experience much greater frequency and um, intensity of their bad dreams so they happen uh, more often and they're oftentimes way more intense than what we experience Um, but boston university school of medicine um, did some research with virtual reality and gave subjects um, their own oculus rift to play around with as well as some some specialized software that can be individualized and tailored to whatever the the uh the uh, research subject um, brought to the table. So if they were having nightmares about um, a certain situation or certain people or maybe a a mythical creature or something, the research team could um, change the software, change the the imagery in the Oculus Rift uh, so that that that, uh, subject could work better with their with their dreams uh, and learn to reprocess them in different ways. So um, the results from the research so far have been really good and I look forward to seeing how technology can help us continue to improve our practice of um, mental mental health therapy and uh, preventative measures for mental health um, as well. So, all right, so we're going to get into the podcast today. Um, I want to welcome... my very first guest, uh, my wife, Callie. Me. Yeah, and um, she's back after... Uh, 21 episodes. Yeah, after 21 episode break. Which is also my age. Yep. <laughs> so she's back with us today, and, you know, we just got back from our honeymoon uh, to Thailand just a couple of weeks ago, and I had this idea that while we were out in Thailand... I would try and record a, a you know a ten or fifteen minute segment podcast, just kind of recapping you know with Callie uh, sort of our day and events in Thailand to keep a, a record for who knows our kids or uh, friends who wanted to know sort of what happened um, you know whatever. But I ran into some technical difficulties while we we're out there uh, and totally messed up the recording. So 
that was lost. That was a lost cause. Uh, but we came back and we still, you know, we still felt like we needed to do this. We needed to have a record. We can talk a lot more while it's fresh about some of the details that maybe we didn't get pictures of or that, you know, we don't have souvenirs to, to explain. So I wanted to have Callie back on today, um, you know, before it gets too far gone from our memory. And I want us to record that we are... Um, you know, I want us to record our memories of the Thailand trip, and uh, I just want to say welcome, and yeah, so let's let's get into it. Okie dokie. Um, all right, so I first want to say that flying over there um, was a lot more fun than flying back, because I think the novelty of being on my first international flight was very much diverting to the whole fact that I was sitting in one spot for 12 hours. However, Shane also managed to upgrade our seats. Uh, the flight out there, he was able to upgrade our seats for the 12 hour flight out there. So we ended up getting tons of leg room and really great blankets. And we got to watch movies and there was nobody really sitting next to us. So we had all this extra space. It was fantastic. Not really the case on my back. Anyways, so as we are discussing this, I would say day one, we landed in Bangkok, and uh, I was a little dizzy for some weird reason. I later th- discovered that it was probably due to reverse altitude sickness, and that has something to do with being a mile-high city. So being in Colorado, we're a mile above sea level at all times, and Bangkok is 63 feet above sea level. So I would a elevation that I'm used to so I ended up getting a little dizzy uh, the first couple days that we were there which wasn't a huge deal but it was a little distracting Uh, but our first day we went temple hopping as I'm gonna refer to it through a couple days in our honeymoon we went temple hopping which in Thailand women are not allowed to show their um, skirts or very long pants and then shawls I, I did specify women, so unless oh, men that want to be a woman, I don't know, but woman. So, anywho, went around naked, and I'm sure they wouldn't have cared. But we went to a couple really cool temples. We went to the Temple of the Reclining Buddha, which was this crazy long... How long was he? Um, I, He was housed in a building that was 500 yards long, so I think he was... Somewhere over 400 yards. Okay. But, um, we also saw... Yeah. Oh, he's 400 meters long. You put it on your Facebook post. 400 meters long. We also saw in a temple that weighed 5.5 tons, and he was made of solid gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went on the old highway of Bangkok, which is actually code for a river. Uh, they get around in... Well, they used to get around in boats, so their highways were rivers. And we saw a monitor lizard... Uh, he was sunning himself on his porch. It was pretty cute, actually. Some of the locals in their boats were waving at us, and they're so friendly. I just want to say that the people in Thailand are some of the friendliest people I've ever met, especially to us, uh, which is Thai for foreigners. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I'll, you know, um, knocking about that first, the first temple we went to was that Golden Buddha and that was a fairly re- recent um, temple. Like in the last 10 years, it was built. Um, I went to Thailand also 10, 10 years. And that, so 
that temple was in there and I thought that was kind of cool being able to see you know the new temples being built but I think the coolest thing about that golden Buddha um, was the story behind it that, that our tour guide told us and that you know it was this really old golden Buddha and you know the Buddha itself was really cool solid gold but also it had a keyhole in the very bottom of it in the base where they could insert the key and then turn it and it would break the golden Buddha part into all these smaller pieces, sort of like a, a puzzle, a 3D puzzle, and then the Buddha could be transported um, from location to location more easily because it was in these smaller pieces. And um, that came in really handy uh, back in the day when um, Burma was at war with Thailand at the time, and uh, the Burmese were coming into Thailand and, and um, you know, desecrating the temples and desecrating the buddha statues and so uh, back then what they did to hide this golden buddha was um, they covered it with clay and painted it and so it just looked like a, a nice boring little clay buddha and it was left alone you know people didn't raid it they didn't steal it they didn't really desecrate it um, until something happened in in 1960s Right, I was getting to that. So, so there was a big flooding, and the the clay on the um, on the Buddhas just started cracking. And as they were trying to go in, thinking that they had to restore the clay, they actually saw the gold underneath the clay, and chipped out chipped away all the clay and found this um, golden Buddha, which they thought had been lost for you know hundreds of years after the war. Um, you know, there were there were records of it, but no one could seem to find it. Um, so that only happened in the 60s, and I thought that was really cool. Um, and that was our first experience with being blessed by monks in the temple as well. They put these cool little um, uh, bracelets on us, and like Callie said, like the monks couldn't touch her. Uh, so they were being very careful to tie the bracelet on uh, without touching her, and, and they would, you know kind of spray this water at us with this little brush and um, bless us. It was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, the, the Temple of the Reclining Buddha also had um, a school of medicine there, too. Uh, and I thought you got some good pictures of that, of like the uh, it's like ancient diagrams of the human body and, and energy systems and acupuncture points, right? That was actually in Chiang Mai. So you fast-forwarded to... Was it? Oh, yeah, that was Chiang Mai. So, you, so it's only been two weeks, and I'm already yeah. getting the days mixed up. I know it. Um, so we... To the reclining Buddha, and then didn't we go to see the Jade Buddha right after that? Yeah. Yeah, and that that was pretty awesome, too. Mm -hmm. The Jade Buddha's only, what, 60 centimeters tall um, of solid jade, um, but uh, it's one of the most revered statues. I think she said the king actually has three ceremonies a year where he changes the Jade Buddha's dressing. Mm -hmm. So like the clothes that he's wearing depending on the season, mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there, were all, there were some really cool things we saw at that, that palace, right? What are some of the things you remember from the palace? All I remember is the pictures you took and there was the monks on their phones that you thought was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you know, we got we got pictures of me standing like a monkey in front of the monkey murals. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Cool. Oh, what was that? Uh, 
There's a, um, what is it, a statue or a, like an architectural representation of that uh, temple in, um, I don't remember. You knew, you seem to know quite a bit about it. I don't remember, I'm sorry. Okay. But we have a lot to get through, so maybe we shouldn't linger on Okay. The, our, our day one. Yeah. So, um... I think day one, we just did a lot of temple hopping, took a boat ride. Um, we went to the night market down the street from her hotel. There was a lot of uh, offers to see ping pong shows. Mm-hmm. Not really my thing, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that night, was it that night that we got the massages? I think it was. Yeah, I, don't, I think it was. It too. was. It was that night that we got the massages. Uh, in this, it was really cool. These ladies were from one of the temples where they study traditional medicine. And Shane got a massage by this little itty bitty Muslim woman who was basically bending him up like a pretzel. It was crazy how strong she was. Uh, Shane seemed to enjoy it though. Yeah, it was really good. Except very painful, but really good. Yeah. And I believe day two took us to the floating market, which was one of my favorite days because they had some of the best food I've ever had while I was in Thailand. And it's insane because they're just riding around on these these canoes and they have all the cooking equipment in the canoes with them in this very, very busy river with houses lining each side and shops and they're all passing each other and selling food at the same time or different products. And it was pretty busy, but also really interesting. Yeah, I got to hold a, a big um, albino python, uh, a Burmese python. And also, we also got to hold um, lemur, little lemurs. And um, yeah, so that it was cool. There was great shopping. We got to ride around in, in those... Um, Long boats and mm-hmm. the, the engines on the back of those things are totally exposed and they kind of look like um, like hot rod engines. Yeah, they do. With just a really long pole coming out of the back and a propeller attached to one end. So they're kind of uh, janky looking, but man, they're fast and those drivers know how to drive them real well. Yeah. So yeah, the floating market was awesome. And then after that, I think we went to that Jade. Mm-hmm, to the Gem Factory. To the Gem Factory, that's what it was. So we went to the Gem Factory and we got to see how they produced some of the jewelry and we were able to walk around. Yeah, apparently Thailand is is uh, very well known internationally for their gems and jewelry uh, just because of the of the region of the mountains of the quality of the minerals in that area. Um, so there was quite a bit of really stunning um, jewelry pieces. And what yeah. did we get there? We got uh, got my dragon, my jade dragon necklace. Yeah, and... it's like a medallion, mm-hmm. but it's made completely of jade. And then I just got um, some jade beads that kind of look like a mala, but much smaller. Mm-hmm. But they're a different color than... Yeah, they're just a right lighter there. jade. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. jade can be a bunch of different colors. It can be green, it can be white, it can be pink, it can be purple. So jade doesn't have to be green. So mm-hmm. that's a fun little... Uh, side note, it just depends on the mineral content of where the jade was found. Yeah, because the uh, the different minerals, and just like here too with quartz, different minerals will color it differently. Yeah. Um, 
that was the place where the the lady who was trying to sell us stuff would just follow us around the whole yeah store and everywhere this, this showroom was huge and we would just be like we'd try and walk off and look on our own and she'd like just pop up right behind the counter be like mm-hmm. oh let me help you you know and she followed us into like yeah. the gift store and it was it was kind of creepy but uh, it was she's very helpful i guess it was i mean she was very very sweet very very polite but yeah followed us everywhere mm-hmm. so the next day which is technically day five uh we went to one of my favorite places on the entire trip we went to elephant world sanctuary and this is where they have uh rescued elephants they have water buffalo that have also been rescued and so many dogs they had a ton of dogs because the owner of this particular sanctuary happens to be a veterinarian so he adopts uh stray animals uh that are sick or in need of veterinary care and it was pretty magical being there uh i know shane it was an awesome day for you but you weren't able to fully enjoy it so yeah by that time i had contracted the worst flu of my life um and not just me but probably 40 other people who shared the the bus with us uh callie believes that the flu was probably spread by this was been like four-year-old kid yeah that on our first day was running up and down the bus aisles coughing and sneezing on everybody and not covering his face um so yeah most people got the flu some people went to the hospital yeah some people ended up in the hospital a lot of people just stayed in their rooms during the tours and i said fuck it i i'm not gonna let this ruin my honeymoon and i went on everything um that i possibly could even though i felt miserable so elephant elephant day yeah was amazing yeah it was amazing but i felt like the worst pile of elephant shit that day (laughs) like Um, trying to bathe the elephants in that water it was like a hundred degrees out but that the the water um felt like it was freezing cold to me so i i could only get up to like my calves uh no it was probably like 70 degrees but i had a running a major fever and it was crazy so Doing that kind of stuff was was a little tough, but we got to yeah. feed the elephants and, and bathe them yeah. and the, see the babies, and that was really there cool. There was tons. There, I will. I've been talking about this particular elephant to mm-hmm. everyone. Her name is Kamoon, and she was born in 1931. So she's an old lady. Very very sweet. We got to feed her. We got to bathe her. One of my favorite parts though was when we made the elephant medicine which ended up kind of having the consistency of like a a poop ball like if you and it was really gross but uh there was like pills it had special vitamins in it and they it was like wet food and these elephants knew that that was their food the sick ones did so they came up and you can't just like hand it to them because you know it's squishy so their trunks wouldn't hold it so they basically just open their mouths and you have to plop it into their mouths for them Mm -hmm. and that was really crazy because an elephant's mouth does not look like a mouth i've ever seen no it was very alien yeah it's Um, very alien and the teeth are set way in the back so that's that's where you feel a little bit of safety like placing it in there because you can't actually feel their teeth yeah but but the elephant these massive animals that could like run you over they are so gentle yeah they're sweet when they just open their their mouth for you to set it in 
like you you set it in there and they don't chomp down they don't you know Mm-mm. they're very, they wait for you to take your hand out yeah except for the baby the baby yeah. was a, was crazy there were two babies a boy and a girl and yeah the boy baby was uh he was a little naughty he's rambunctious yeah naughty the elephant least. they had to tie him to his mom <clears throat> because he would run away and uh we got to see him down by the river and his mom would just stand in one place while he's like trying to jerk her and pull her and, and yeah. move her all over this the place and she just like looks at him and shakes her that head. poor elephant just looked exhausted she just looked like a truly exhausted mom mm-hmm. the other elephant baby was a little girl and she was really cute and me and shane were petting this little baby elephant girl and we're kind of talking to her in this like sing-songy voice that we do when we see something that's really cute and the mom apparently thought that was incredible because she sort of started dancing as we were singing to her baby. And it was really cute. I got a video of it. So if you know on Facebook, you can look it up. Uh, but the mom was dancing a little bit. And I think she was just really proud of her baby elephant girl compared to the rambunctious little elephant boy that I'm sure causes all sorts of shenanigans, as all little boys should. Mm-hmm. So, also that little boy elephant bonded with Shane and convinced Shane to give him a foot slash leg rub, Mm -hmm. which was really funny uh, because, you know, Shane doesn't do a whole lot of uh, massage work for anybody, really, except for me after I bang him. But that little elephant convinced Shane to do it inside of three seconds. Mm -hmm. So, it was very impressive. So, that was really cute. I really enjoyed getting in the mud pit with them because you get into the mud pit and you throw mud on them and then you have to like massage it into their skin and they love it. They love it. And Shane got this incredible video of these two elephant friends. They're just inseparable. One was lying down in the mud pit and the other one sat down on that elephant and started rubbing his butt all over his friend. And Shane thought that was pretty hilarious. I mean, the whole group thought it was pretty hilarious, but it was it was funny to see them playing around with each other, these really majestic, wise creatures just being silly in the mud. And then we took them into the river with huge push brooms in which we scrubbed the mud off of them, which I excelled at that. I thought it was great. I love scrubbing elephants. I could do that all day long. And after that, we had a really good lunch, which unfortunately Shane couldn't really eat any of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our tour mates found a toad in her locker and was so terrified that she couldn't get her stuff out of her locker because she's so scared of this toad. So I ended up getting this toad out of her locker, and she was super grateful. But it kind of struck me as funny that I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, Angela found a toad in her locker and didn't story. know what to do. Yeah, so I love yeah. I love frogs and toads and stuff like that. So and at the sanctuary, that's where we got um, we picked up a. You know, all, all the things that they sell out of their store, all the proceeds go back, right back to um, feeding and housing the elephants and for their bills, their vet bills. So uh, we, we bought a, a jade elephant statue that was really cool, as well as um, um, some uh, turquoise elephant um, necklaces mm-hmm. um, for friends and family. And I bought my mom a, a picture frame that was made out of elephant poop. Yeah. Um, so it's made out of poo paper, and I gave that to her for Christmas. I Some hope she liked paper. it. Yeah. Poopy paper. Poopy paper. Um, <laughs> but after that, um, and that was a long, was a long bus day. ride out there. Um, but on the way back, we stopped at this sp- spot called um, the Bridge Over River Kwai, which 
there was a movie I think it was in the 30s that was uh, filmed about this bridge um, I've never seen it but it's really famous and um, the bridge over River Kwai was connected to what was called the death railway of World War II um, and our tour guide gave us um, you know a history lesson around that too how um, how was it the Japanese it was the Japanese Yes. Right. The Japanese needed to expand the railway across Thailand, and so they used um, prisoners of war from the from the war, uh, mostly like uh, Europeans, a few, you know, some Americans, um, other people like that, um, to build this railway. And lots and lots of people died. Um, hundreds of thousands died building this railway. And so uh, the bridge over River Kwai is just a really famous part of this death railroad um and there's a movie filmed about um about it so um callie also got to stop and you know get out and see this war memorial that was actually really really it was for all the Mm -hmm. uh american and british soldiers that were killed in the concentration camps that the japanese had set up so basically all the Thai soldiers got to be buried in their family cemeteries. However, a lot of these British and American soldiers were uh, un- unclaimed or were unable to be sent home for proper burial. So what the king did was set aside this plot of land, built a beautiful memorial, and created a uh, graveyard for all these soldiers that couldn't be sent home, which I thought was phenomenal because there isn't many countries that I believe would do that and maybe that's maybe i'm not speaking right i don't know that our country would necessarily do that in this day and age so it was refreshing to kind of see the kindness of this foreign leader towards american and british soldiers well yeah i mean think about it we had the same thing going on in in our um country too like uh, when we were building and expanding our railway we used um you know chinese Mm -hmm. internment camps and I have never heard anything about uh, memorials put up for, for those people either. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was, that was it. And then on the, on the long bus ride home, we got home, and uh, that was our last night in Bangkok. Yeah, so the next day we caught a flight out to Chiang Mai, which is in the northern part of Bangkok, or excuse me, of Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. And that is probably closer to about 4,000 feet above sea level. So that's when I really started to feel better. I wasn't really dizzy anymore. anymore. Unfortunately, Shane's sickness was continuing to chug along at its pretty awful pace. Mm -hmm. So being the total trooper that he was, after a plane ride out to Chiang Mai, we stopped at a temple with our tour guide who was a really nice very knowledgeable gentleman he'd been doing this tour guiding for like 40 years he said and he was also a monk himself yeah so he was able to tell us quite a bit about the temples that we hadn't necessarily known such as all thai men are encouraged to become a monk at some point or another in their lives and there isn't it's not for life to become a monk you can become a monk for a week you can become a monk for a month a year, a couple years, or life. And the nice thing about it is while they're doing this, they learn a lot of skills that are then desirable for when they get married. So a lot of that's starting to fall a bit by the wayside. However, he said back in the day, a lot of families wouldn't let their daughters marry a man unless he had spent some time as a monk first. Mm -hmm. So 
That was very interesting to me. Yeah, and, and I, I hope to go back to Thailand and do um, a stint of monkhood <laughs> um, because you can be a monk for a month and as long as you know, you know, as long as you study hard and yeah. you, you know the tenets, you can put in your service and um, come out a better person. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention uh, in Bangkok our bus uh, bus boy, there was the bus driver and then the bus boy, the guy that would help us on and off. Um, clean up our play, our bus and our spot. Uh, I, we thought he looked like uh, the famous Thai actor Tony Jaa. Yeah. Um, famous martial artist. Um, obviously, like our bus boy was um, a little chunkier. He could have been his yeah his older brother who didn't get into Muay Thai, but it, it was yeah. hilarious. And by the end of Bangkok, we were calling him. Um, what do we call him? Jaa Panam. Jaa Panam, which, which is Tony Jaa's actual Thai name. Yeah, his real name. So, so. it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in Chiang Mai, that was really cool. Um, that's that's the second largest city uh, behind Bangkok, and it's much smaller, only one and a half million people. So Bangkok was something like in the teens, yeah. millions, like 18 million. Several so. million people, yeah. So Chiang Mai's second largest um we saw that temple, which was cool. Got another blessing bracelet from another monk inside the temple. Yeah. Um, and then we got to, as we were driving around to get to our hotel, he was showing us these ruins of um, walls uh, around all around the city. Turns out there's there used to be an old city that you know this new the new it Chiang was the Mai royal is, city right, and the new Chiang Mai is built sort of around it and envelops it and this is like right in the middle and the old city um was where the royal palace was where the king had lived for a very long mm -hmm. time yeah because thailand used to be two different kingdoms the north and the southern kingdom yeah. and this was the the capital of the north and um so all these wall ruins around there are from the original kingdom uh, i forget how old they were like I don't know something they were really old all all we know though is that there's still like a statue in place that says they can't b build anything over eight stories within the old city uh boundaries so there wasn't very tall buildings out there uh until you got outside these uh imaginary boundaries of the old cities where the walls used to be and then there was all these really high-rise hotels but we did go on a really great walk mm -hmm. through uh, Chiang Mai that night. Yeah, like we, six miles, I think. Yeah, we got to walk through a night market, which was super packed. But we found some wonderful gifts for our mm -hmm. family. And then we got to ride a tuk-tuk back, mm -hmm. which was my first tuk-tuk ride. And it was hair-raising. Well, tell, they, tell them what a tuk-tuk is. Nobody knows what that is. Well, you never know. Our our. <laughs> listeners could potentially be very well educated and well-traveled people but it's essentially a taxi that is uh, a motorcycle with kind of a seated area attached to it so it's kind of it's like a i don't know how to explain it it's half motorcycle half bus yeah so, so the can... back end of it's a bus the front end of it's a motorcycle so you can kind of weave in and all I'm going to say is Google it because we are chewing up a ton of our podcast time talking about what a tuk-tuk is. But Google the images. If you find any fun videos, you'll see how fast they go. But it's Thailand, pretty incredible. Yeah, Thailand is famous for their tuk-tuks. Uh, yeah. Not many other places in the world have them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we went to this Sunday market, which spanned like six blocks by six blocks. Um, went through Chinatown that day. Mm -hmm. um, just walked all over the place. It was amazing. Yeah. The next day, uh, we went to the mountaintop temple. When you're in Chiang Mai, you can look up and you can see the temple on top of the mountain. 
And we drove up there, which, as it turns out, that whole temple location was decided by an elephant. This elephant walked up the mountain, and it was a, an albino elephant, so it was really rare. And this monk followed it, and then when the elephant made it to the top of this mountain, it died. And that's where this monk decided to build the temple. And there's this huge staircase leading up to the temple, and it's like this dragon staircase because there's dragons on either side of the staircase. And you have it's a hike mm -hmm. to get up there, but it wasn't terrible. I mean, a lot of other people in our tour group kind of opted out climbing yeah. up it because they're not used to the altitude, but we were. So that so. yeah, that elephant legend was pretty cool. And the reason why this elephant even went up the mountain was um, back in the day when the Buddha was still alive, they cremate, uh, they cremate the bodies when they're done, and they oftentimes leave fragments of bone. So the Buddhists consider these relics, very, very spiritually packed um, pieces of human bodies that's left over. And um, what they did was the, the temple that we described about the day before in Chiang Mai has a piece of that bone relic there from the original Buddha. Um, and also a chunk of that uh, relic was put on the back of this elephant to just wander around and and the monk vowed that wherever that elephant stopped he would build that temple and he went up the mountain and like Kelly said died so they built this temple that's my favorite temple we visited yeah it was beautiful and serene mm -hmm. and there was flower gardens and all sorts of different buildings it was really an incredible place mm -hmm. uh very yeah very serene i could have stayed there all day there was a lot of bells mm -hmm. which made you really happy because you enjoy mm -hmm. ringing bells at temples. Well, yeah, the uh, the tour guide told us that in, in Buddhist um, tradition, if you ring these bells at the temples, um, it was sort of the way that we mere mortals um, can alert the gods to um, pay attention to us and, and give us favor um, in, a, in a good way. Like a non, it's non-selfish. Um, I know I made it sound selfish, but yeah, ringing the bells just... Just says, "Hey, I'm here, and I'm you know I'm doing good. Please favor me um, mm -hmm. in this life." Uh, so yeah, I like that part of it. Yeah, and then after that, we went to go see the hill tribes. Well, we went to the jade factory first. We did um, go to the jade factory, which is like a couple feet away mm -hmm. from the base of this temple. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot about jade. We had no idea about all that stuff and brought home yeah. a really cool um, jade Buddha statue. Yeah, um, which is going to join our altar. Uh, this is also where we got to try these really, well, I got to try these really cool cookies. And they're, it takes like days to make them. However, they were made out of rice and coconut sugar. And it was amazing. And I have no idea what they're called. The tour guide bought them for us. I fell in love with them, bought a package, snuck them home, <laughs> finished them off in a couple days. I really missed them already. But... Uh, that was a lot of fun. So the hill tribes were really cool. It turns out the king has created little plots of land for these different tribes to live on. Who were squatting there anyway. But... Who were squatting there anyways. <laughs> but um, since we were uh, up there, they were explaining that these hill tribes are still allowed to grow opium um, for themselves for short periods of time. But then the king pays them to grow other crops for the rest of the growing season which then provides these people with a source of income and then tourists come through and buy their wares which also provides another source of income for them so these people get paid fairly well and they're able to sustain themselves so it seemed like once again a really nice thing for the king to do over there 
I will say there was a lot of really cool things that happened up at the Hill Tribes. Uh, we got to shoot that crossbow, which I'm terrible at, and Shane in true sniper fashion uh, was pretty great at it. And yep, first try bullseye. Yeah, so, and even the uh, the old tribesman, who was crazy old, I think he was like 150 years old, mm-hmm. was super pumped about Shane's shooting ability with this ancient crossbow that they've been using forever to hunt which was fun and then Shane got this really cool tapestry so these little women sit down over tapestries with little wax uh, pencils and draw these designs on them painstakingly and then they dye them using dyes from the crops that they grow and then they sell these tapestries and it's made out of hemp it's super cool yeah so it's a pretty incredible place Um, they were all really nice uh, to us and I got to see the long neck tribes the women's who stretched their neck I think we even saw one of the long neck hill tribe people that have been in the National Geographic a bunch of times Yep, she was super sweet yeah. and so we found out that they don't actually stretch their necks but the rings actually push their rib cages down yeah um, so google that if you're if you're interested in how that works uh, it's not a permanent thing but it was pretty cool they had medical diagrams um, yeah all around their you know their little market space to kind of explain to foreigners what's going on the farangs um so yeah that was a lot of fun i really did enjoy our time at the hill tribes i wish we could have spent a little more time but it was getting close to the end of the day so we had to drive back uh which was a bit of a drive i'm trying to remember that oh we stopped by the orchid the orchid farm Mm -hmm. while we were coming back and the orchid farm is this incredible place where they grow orchids and they make jewelry out of them and then they sell them and we had lunch there and it was really pretty and quiet and serene again so uh, i have a few pictures of that on my facebook so if you guys want to check that you should um and then without further ado we're going on to our next day in chiang mai where we visited some hot springs, some natural hot springs. Yeah, so we took a well, we took a road trip um, where our final destination was going to be the um, borders of Laos, Burma, and Thailand, also called the Golden Triangle. And this is like the very northern tippy top of Thailand. So we're taking this road trip up there, and we made some cool stops along the way. Callie mentioned the the, the hot, hot springs. springs, and you also stuck your feet in a in a tank of fish. They were like eating dead skin off your feet. Uh, it's common treatment over there. And yeah. It was interesting Tickled. for me to watch her squirm, and it was funny. Yeah. Um, so we did we did the hot springs, and then we made an, our next stop at this uh, white temple, which was freaking amazing. And it wasn't a, a technically a, a spiritual or religious temple like the other Buddhist temples. Mm-mm. This was actually just a temple that was... Um, donated and created by an artist that was from that city and became really famous and wanted to give back to his his hometown so we built this amazing white temple uh can't even describe it but it's psychedelic and and um horrific and it's um, just awesome yeah they had the uh, murals of aliens and spaceships inside of it and yeah like uh you know american movie Creatures on the mm-hmm. outside and hanging heads from trees. It's crazy. In but graveyards it's, of hands. It was crazy. It was awesome. Once again, tons of pictures on Facebook. You should definitely check that out. 
Yeah. Uh, so that was a cool little stop. And then... And then we went up to the Golden Triangle. We went up to the Gold... Well, we stopped at the Opium Museum first, which was teeny tiny. Mm-hmm. Wasn't too um, impressed with that, but still some cool history in there. I found a huge wooden wiener. Oh, that they had lots of wooden looked, penises for yeah, sale. Yeah, there. there was wooden penises <laughs> everywhere. But I found a huge one. And it reminded me a little bit of those cats that even villains, evil villains will pet. <laughs> So um, Shane has a picture of me stroking a very large wooden penis like it's a, I'm a villain and it's my cat. So that was really weird to find at an opium museum. And then we hit the Golden Triangle. So we took a boat ride over to Communist Laos, which they're building tons of casinos, huge casinos on this island called like what was it Don Saus Don Sao I don't know that um, anyways and pretty much the only thing we got to see over there was another market uh, oh, but gosh. they were selling like suitcases and bootleg shoes and purses and stuff like that so I just settled down to some ice cream and sat there and ate it and but they had a KFC over there they sure did that was back in bank there was KFC and Burger Kings and McDonald's and stuff like that over there uh, and somebody did ask me if the food was similar. We didn't really stop at the Burger Kings or the McDonald's. You tried KFC. Yeah, and it was totally different. Yeah, um, so, I mean, it is what it is. Just, like, no, take it with a grain of salt, you know. Yeah. If you're eating food in a different country that is from a McDonald's or a fast food restaurant, just understand it's probably not going to be the stuff you know and love. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we got to do that, and then that was, I would say, uh probably the worst drive back for Shane at least because it was a four hour drive uh, back from the Golden Triangle to Chiang Mai and unfortunately you were running a huge huge fever at that point to such an extent that even our tour guide got worried and was buying you like these cold towels to put at the base of your neck because you just Mm -hmm. looked miserable Um, but the good news is that was pretty much rock bottom Yep. So that was it the worst started to go that. up from there. Yep. Which um, was exciting. So yeah, and then uh that was our last day in Chiang Mai and then the next the next day we flew out to um Phuket, Phuket. which Phuket is um an island in and of itself, also part of Thailand, but it's a it's a standalone island in the far south. So we flew from the far north all the way to the far south of mm-hmm. Thailand. Two totally different climates. The far north is more jungly, um, cooler weather because mm-hmm. you're inland. You're a little higher the elevation, whereas Phuket down in the south, white sandy beaches, you know, sea level, very warm, um, you know, very nice. Um, still palm trees down there, still yeah. cool, but um, maybe the jungle wasn't as dense. And yeah. th- literally thousands of small islands all around the southern tip of Thailand, which are all actually national parks. So we'll yeah. get into Phuket. So we get into Phuket. And get right to our hotel, which is a pretty cool hotel. Um, I thought our, our room was small, but there were some interesting features, like the the shower that was the completely see-through. see-through. Yeah, yeah, there's a see-through wall between where the bed was and the entire bathroom. Yeah. So if someone was in the bathroom using the bathroom, you could see them. Yeah. Um, if they're taking a shower, it was just glass separating you two. Yeah. Um, they did have a lower uh, like a shade. shade that you could lower or raise. Yeah. But still didn't very use interesting. Much, and it yeah. was it was pretty fun. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah, it was a beautiful hotel. Uh, we were right in the uh, you could see Patong Beach right from our our balcony, uh, which is this huge kind of bay, and it was beautiful, wonderful. So that night we actually took a 
I think it was just a van down to this kind of mall area in the center of Patong Beach, which is kind of the town. We walked around, we got some food. Turns out, don't ever get Italian food in Thailand. I liked some of it. It was pretty gnarly. Uh, but then again, I'm also Italian, so I have some prejudice in place yeah, there. I have low standards. I'll eat anything. Yeah, so we walked around for a while, and it turns out the ride back from the hotel, the traffic there is wild. So because of that, we quickly learned to just walk, walk. back and forth. <laughs> just walk everywhere. Don't bother buying a taxi or anything that isn't a motorcycle yeah, if you're going to be in Phuket. took us an hour and a half to get um, like a, a mile. mile. And, you know, the next day we just walked it and got there like, like 10 minutes. 15, yeah. 10, 15 minutes. It was pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, the next day was another super fun day uh, because we went to the monkey temple, right? Yeah, the Buddha cave temple, yeah. which is right next to, yeah, they also call it the monkey temple. So, like, we, we get out of the tour bus and um, buy some fruit from the locals and then go up to this big sheer rock face and there's monkeys everywhere, like yeah. little baby monkeys, bigger monkeys, whatever. And then we feed them, um, and they're super friendly. Um, well, to us, not to each other. They're right. kind of jerks to each other. Yeah, they are. And we've got some good pictures of that. And then right next to that, around the corner, is this really cool uh, cave temple where you go inside, and there's a reclining Buddha in there, and these Lots little yeah, these little alcoves, and and you could climb up on these rocks in a number of different ways, and there were like different meditating spots. And this cave was pretty big. Uh, it was really cool to see um, just these old, you know, you can just imagine, um, you know, a couple thousand years ago, just monks sitting in there chanting and, and resonating sound in there. So we, um, we got some really cool pictures. Uh, like Callie said in the beginning, you know, animals are running free throughout Thailand. So there's tons of dogs and cats. I got a couple great pictures of um, just dogs chilling in these temples and they looked like they were meditating or cats like passed out in um, statues laps or something yeah. you know just so it's so cool to just see those those uh, images and to remember those yeah um, so that was oh by the way the monkeys will straight up jack food right out of your hand if yep. you're not careful and they love They're, eggs they love hard-boiled eggs kind of weird uh, so <laughs> I mean that was kind of cool we also um, I think that particular day we spent more time walking around Phuket, but I don't think that's the day that, okay, so I'll save that. Anyways, our next day was island hopping, right? Um, yes. So we went island hopping to like James Bond Island. We went to a floating island. There was mm -hmm. Monkey Beach, uh, Maya Cove. Where they filmed the beach. We weren't allowed to get out there, but Viking Cave. Viking Cave. We got to go snorkeling. It was my first time snorkeling. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a super strong swimmer, so um, I had to wear my life jacket while we were snorkeling. And then about halfway through, I was like, I wish I knew how to swim better because I really wanted to dive down because I'm watching Shane in the water snorkeling and he's making it look so graceful and beautiful and fun and I wanted to do it too. But uh, I need to learn how to swim better. So mm -hmm. life goals right mm -hmm. there. And we stopped at the floating village for lunch, which was all Muslims. And the, yeah, this village is literally out in the middle of nowhere. In the ocean. In the ocean. And it's just floating 
uh, community of yeah. 2,000 some Muslims. Yeah. Um, and it was originally formed by two families of Muslims that just wanted to start their own community. Yeah. And it just grew and it was it was pretty cool pretty crazy we bought some cool stuff and yeah we got some pearls there because they mm-hmm. dive for pearls and they had schools there they had a soccer stadium they had a big um, mosque in there it all was floating. all floating all <laughs> floating it's incredible so it was a really interesting experience mm-hmm. we loved going around to all these different islands on speedboat i had a full-on blast uh Shane, I think you really enjoyed getting in the water and snorkeling because you were feeling better. So that was exciting. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Um, I really liked that we could, you know, see where Man with the Golden Gun was filmed, mm-hmm. the beach, the movie, and then the Viking cave was the coolest. Just knowing that my ancestors, the Vikings, um, traveled as far as Thailand yeah. and kind of set up shop in this cave, and there's still remnants of them there. Totally. So that was cool. So, yeah. Um, and then the next day was just kind of like a free day. Mm-hmm. So we ended up wandering around Phuket. We went and walked the beach. Um, I got to try a bunch of street food, which I'm still missing horribly. I, I love the street food over there, which I did not think was going to be the case. But as we were walking around, you know, people are talking to you constantly. They're They're trying to get you to come to their stores. They're you know taxi taxi or they're like do you want to get a massage like there's a massage place like every five feet yep so, and uh, also a 7-eleven every five feet <laughs> and, then, and then a pharmacy so literally as you're walking down the street it's massage parlor 7-eleven pharmacy massage parlor 7-eleven mm-hmm. pharmacy it's hilarious um 7-eleven is huge over there by the way like huge yeah i think they said thailand has the second most highest number of uh, 7-elevens in yeah. the world behind japan yeah so that's exciting and uh, as we were walking, um, this gentleman looked at Shane and said, oh, Conor McGregor. <laughs> and that caught Shane's attention because at this point we got really used to uh, zoning out on it. So um, I'll just say while Shane was having a conversation with this man, I wandered off to grab more street food and was unaware at this point that uh, he had managed to convince Shane to come see the in- infamous Connor McGregor, fuck you, fuck you jacket. Yeah, that's what he called. He said, Oh, I got fuck you, fuck you jacket. Come see, come <laughs> see. I'm like, What? That's sweet. I'm I'm coming. I was like, Callie, let's go down this alley to this guy's shop. Yeah, so let's go down this alley. I have my hands full of street <laughs> food. And uh, that's how Shane ended up meeting some really nice guys and got some really sweet suits uh, that were very well made. And he looks phenomenal in them. He looks like James Bond. And uh, got those made, and I think, no, it was the next day that we saw Aquaman. But anyway, so we wandered around our free day uh, the day before we left, and then the day that we end up leaving, we got to see Aquaman in theater. Mm-hmm. And before every movie, they have a like a four-minute movie about the king and his military service and kind of highlights of his uh, m- his career as king, I guess. And you had to stand for it. You must you must stand for these videos. And uh, they also have this really cool thing in their movie theaters where they have couches. Mm-hmm. And you can just kind of sit in these couches and relax and watch movies. And it was Yeah, they sell like couples cheap. couches, yeah. seats. It, it was, was really incredible. nice. Um, yeah, some interesting stuff. And, you know, I think 
one of the coolest things was hearing all the stories about the royal family and yeah. how the the king uh, you know rescued dogs and he rescued elephants and his sister helped with the tsunami relief and set up all these foundations for uh, mentally um, you know challenged autistic, or autistic yeah. or downs um, all, all sorts of people and how, how the king set up programs so there's no orphans and they they put them through college and yeah he adopts um, all the orphans yeah, he adopted a bunch of animals two thousand dogs mm-hmm, I think yeah, it was yep, and education and food are subsidized and healthcare so that's Medication. all free for everyone and yeah you know their roads and and things may not be as well kept as ours but a lot of their more important in our opinion systems were were much better off than ours oh yeah um, so I think we brought back a lot of lessons about how things could be done yeah. and done better um and i i think that's what we brought back the most is, yeah. is that cultural experience added to you know what what we experience here so yeah thanks for being on again yeah maybe. i enjoyed rehashing mm-hmm. our awesome honeymoon to thailand and now it will be forever be uh, immortalized on this podcast yeah um, and then our five biological children and our 10 adopted thai children listen to this oh, and geez. be like that's a lot of kids i know aren't you excited <laughs> stay at home dad Woo. all right so <laughs> i want to thank our listeners um for tuning in again please like and share our podcast uh hope that you liked um hearing the recap of our most wonderful thailand honeymoon um i want to remind all of our listeners that you can donate to the podcast just click the link at the bottom of your screen or whatever podcast venue you're listening to. But as always, the best way to support our podcast is to like and share it and to get these messages out. So, yeah, Kelly, I do want to say also, um, if you guys get a chance, please go to Mind Ops Facebook and Instagram page and uh, give it a like and see the cool posts that he puts up almost daily. Um, just because I think if you really enjoy the concepts that Shane talks about on his podcast, you'll really enjoy the different pictures that he puts up and then, uh, basically interprets the quotes that are on these pictures and, uh, talks about mental optimization. So it's really, they're both really cool pages. So Instagram and Facebook, just Google or excuse me, just search mind ops, find his page, mm-hmm. give it a like, give it a follow. I think my Instagram is uh, mind ops consult and, um, yeah, yeah. mind ops has its own Facebook page, but you can always reach out to us at the mind ops website. That's www.mind-ops.com. Please uh, reach out. Extend your comments and questions and uh, book an appointment if you want to. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Um, thanks for thanks yeah. for joining us again. And we'll see you very, very soon. We have some really good um, podcast guests coming up in the next yes, couple of weeks. Do. Some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so please continue to tune in and we'll hear from you soon. Bye.